0: Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. Hello
1: and welcome to today's LinkedIn Smart Podcast. Uh, today I decided to have a slightly different episode because I would like to introduce you to some of our previous speakers who were the guest speakers on the LinkedIn Smart Podcast. But I think we were discussing certain very important points, very important topics, which I would like to repeat and um, reintroduce them uh, to our listeners. And I think, I think it's always important that we, you know, going back and, uh, and revisiting certain important topics. So this is uh, this episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast. So let's start uh, today's episode with Belinda Aramide. Uh, Belinda is a, a sales coach and LinkedIn expert from Toronto, from Canada. And she was talking about how to create a proper content.
2: So when we talk about content, the kind of content that you publish, um, I am always telling my clients that you need to become the scroll stop. So yes, it's great to come out with, you know, very fancy graphics. Those graphics take a lot of time or they take money in order to pay someone else to do them. Right. But what I'm helping my clients do is that their name and their little bubble becomes the scroll stop because people, you have to realize that we, uh, you know, as content creators, we're creating content. That's the value that we give. And the value that we get is people's time. So you have to train people who follow you or who you're connected with, that you are a good exchange of time. And that's what I'm doing with every single post. That's what all my clients are doing with every post. That's what, you know, anyone who's listening to this needs to do with all of their posts that they, so that other people know that if I stop and I click see more in order to read the rest of this post, it's going to be a good use of my time, right? That's what makes people stop. It's like comedians, right? If a comedian's really funny and I'm flipping through the channels and I see their face, I'm like, oh, I'm going to laugh, right? It's about training people. It's like, you know, a dog knows if I scratch at the door, they're going to let me out so I can go pee, right? So you're you're training people so that your name, your picture becomes the ultimate scroll stopper. And how do you do that? By sharing 80% professional, something that in exchange for my time, I'm going to be glad that I stopped, you know, like, hmm, I didn't know that. Or, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that before. And that's what makes people continue to come back as well as learning a little bit about, who you are as a person too. It makes you train people that I see this stuff. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to be glad that I stopped. We've all had those posts where, you know, it's what, what do they call it on YouTube? Like clickbait, right? Where it's like, Oh, this is going to be this. And then they give you something else. And you know, now you're like, Oh, you have that foul taste in your mouth. So you want to create content that is valuable, right? That people are going to, like I said, they're going to be happy that they stopped. Then they will continue to stop. They will, they will, every time they see your face or they see your name, they're going to want to stop. That is applicable when we're talking about comments. Cause any, you know, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast, now your comments become content. And so I use comments as a way to kind of separate myself from the digital noise, because people read comments and so now it's an opportunity for people to find you so you leave a comment that's interesting someone then wants to go to your profile they can then see your content and it becomes that domino effect um so you know the best way to stand out in the digital noise is not to be noise you know it's to be a light it's to be a beacon um it's to it's to share information that is transformational whether it's in the content that you share or the comments that you leave my comments can be as good if not better than the content that i put out um, and again it always boils down to everything online is an exchange of time
1: content is important of course but uh, the content leads you to get more visibility and more visibility creates more credibility and from there it's just a step to profitability means to selling. Social selling is a fancy word, but um, I think that it's a word which we need to understand correctly. And um, I would like to ask Sam Rattling, uh, who is uh, um, a LinkedIn expert and social selling strategist from uh, Derby, England, about what does she thinks about social selling?
3: So my definition of social selling is that social selling is the art of selling without selling. That's my kind of way of putting it. And I always refer people to the social selling index on LinkedIn to help them to understand what they should be doing in order to move their SSI score from wherever it is right now up to, you know, the high eighties, which is really where the magic happens. So I, um, I usually break it down and, and link it back into LinkedIn social selling index so they can understand what they need to be doing to build their brand what they need to be doing to build their network what they need to be doing from an engagement point of view and what they need to be doing to build relationships and getting people to understand that social selling is not a magic you know wand that's going to fix their lead gen problem today it's a long term um strategy that over time will generate them an abundance of leads if they do it really well but it's not going to be you know an overnight thing it's it takes some time to go from a lot of people, their SSI score is down in the 40s or 50s when they come to me. And I, I'm always like, usually within about 90 days can get them to the kind of the mid 80s when it really starts to, you know, get some traction for them. So I think the breaking it down into that social selling index, which LinkedIn provides everybody um, for free, um, I'm sure your you, your listeners are already familiar with it. But if, you are, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't ever heard of the SSI score, then go to linkedin.com forward slash sales forward slash SSI and you'll be able to see what your score is today and and understand a little bit more about that. So I think um, that's a great tool for breaking down really what truly what social selling is. But for me, it is the art of selling without selling. Very subtle. Well, I have eight social selling strategies that I I share with people. Um, But I think it comes down to three things. It comes down to firstly, before you do anything on LinkedIn, really understanding your target market and really getting a fine idea of exactly what your dream client looks like. Not just your bread and butter, low value clients, but like the ones that would write you the biggest check for what you do or give, pay you the biggest amount of money and getting a real crystal clear in your head who it is that that person is. Because before you do anything on LinkedIn, I think for me that is, I spend a long time just on that one piece before I ever go into teaching client strategies. Um, on how to do it because if they have no idea who they're trying to sell to then how can they create content that connects with that audience or how can they write an outreach message that's really going to resonate with their target audience so i think before anything it's getting clarity on that i use an acronym called ideal the ideal client so the i stands for industries so what business sectors or verticals they want to focus on the d stands for demographics so size of company, revenue, number of employees, headcount, et cetera. What do they actually look like? And what's the description of that business that they want to target? The E stands for experience. So the roles and responsibilities of the people that are in those organizations, do they want HR or the um, C-suite? Do they want operations, finance? Who is it? What job title do they hold that they want to target? Um, The A stands for attributes, so are they a fast paced scale up tech business or are they very slow paced and traditional set in their ways? Um, and finally, the L is the location. So where do they want them? So before I get anybody focused on the strategies, it's that piece there has to be nailed. And if they're trying to sell everything to everyone, they'll sell to no one. So I think that's the really key part of getting LinkedIn right. Um, and then it's about having a really effective profile that speaks to that target market having a prospecting strategy of daily outreach that builds your network with those people and finally putting out content. Um, People always say content's king. I have a slightly different view on the world in that connection is queen and connecting with that target audience and making content that really resonates with them and hits those pain points for me is the thing that triggers inbound leads from the content, but also leads from the outreach as well.
1: So let's talk to another expert on social selling and that is Tyron Giuliani. He's an Australian uh, LinkedIn expert, but he lives in Tokyo, Japan. And he has LinkedIn strategies, very specific LinkedIn strategies that sell. And he's using specifically direct messaging. So he's talking about direct messaging and what are the right and correct use of direct messages?
0: Since April 2004, since using the platform, what I've noticed is the messaging from other people to me and to my colleagues hasn't changed. (laughs) It's been the same horrible messaging. Um, And what I've done is I've created a message syntax, a message flow that emulates as close as possible to real life and, and systemize it. Because when you look at the anatomy of a conversation, conversations happen a certain way when we meet someone. That happens with You know, person A, question, next person, answer, question, next person, answer, Then they give an anecdotal story. Then the next person gives an opinion on that. Then there's question, and then there's another anecdote. That's generally the flow when you meet someone the first time. For some reason, and that's what we're used to as humans. I'm 46 years old. For 46 years, that's how I communicate with people. And for some reason, when people get into LinkedIn, they totally abandon the natural way we communicate, and they just lose it and do what I call the value vomit, where they come in because they've been told by marketers, give value, give value first before you take, give value. And the message has been kind of lost because what it means is people come into LinkedIn and they say this, this is the message. Instead of doing question, answer, question, anecdote, opinion, they come in and they do anecdote, opinion, question, call to action in one message they just come in and vomit they just come and say hi it'd be like this and I, I equate it to this if I'm at a networking event and I see someone I walk up to them I'm looking at them I'm, and I'm processing the data that I'm seeing about them and then I'm going to ask an irresistible question that they can't help answer Right? that's what I'm looking for and I do that the same thing I'm looking for data and I'm going to ask these kind of questions I use imagery there's a few different techniques that we use but it it's irresistible. People can't help but answer the question. That's what we want to do is 90% of deals die on LinkedIn because the first question is never answered. That first message is never answered because what people do do is they do this. They walk up to someone and imagine this is me in real life. If I did this in real life, how awkward would it be be hi i'm Ty. i'm the linkedin guy i'm based in tokyo japan i've been here 22 years and i help business owners get clients off linkedin here's my schedule would you like to book a time and by the way here's a download of my famous ebook that's 10,000 people have downloaded would you like to also see a video that's what people do and they say well but i'm giving value well it's not value to anyone if you don't know what their true problem is where they are in their journey of their business, then all you're doing is a value vomit. You're going in there and you're unloading in their inbox and you're saying, clean it up. Not only that, you know, one of the key principles of influence, right? Is reciprocity, right? We we will, we've all had it. We've been in offices and your mate buys you a coffee. The next day you feel like, well, I'm going to go buy him a coffee. Well, this idea of well you know give them stuff, give them an ebook, give them a video to watch, give them a, a download because it encourages them to give back or whatever no it doesn 't it 's forced reciprocity and it 's the worst I find it just the worst because i 've got two options: I accept it, and then i feel I feel bad about it, like ah oh, like he 's done all this stuff, and I feel bad about it, and then i 'm thinking like i 've got to take action now like that 's just the thing to do. And it, it's just horrible. So what do people do? They just ignore it. Mm. Like, why bother participating then? Why, why enter that relationship? You know, it's, it's horrible. So forced reciprocity sucks. And not only that, um, but also asking kind of complex questions. And I, I've seen some trainers because I've been at the other end of, you know, for a few months, uh, someone must have been teaching something new. And I got the same thing. They were asking these questions that were asking me these, you know, it was a complex answer. And that's the worst thing to do. It's like walking up to a net in a networking event again, saying, hi, I'm Tony. so what would be the three things that would save the global economy? <laughs> like, no, one's going to answer that. And on LinkedIn, it's the same. You're forcing the person, either they have to invest a lot of time in this conversation and answer it with a lot of time. So they don't look stupid, or you force them to answer abruptly where they look stupid. Or the third option is, well, I'm going to ignore that because that's too difficult to answer. So like, why why do people do this on LinkedIn? The third thing that I really hate is when people message me, they do these drip fed messages. I ignore the first one. So I get the next one two days later or three days later, according to the schedule that they've been taught. And they've given me more information. Now they're yelling at me though. Like you didn't answer the first one. So here's some more value, more value, more. And then you don't answer that. Three days later, another scream in the inbox. Here's some more downloads, and here's a PDF. It's like, aren't you getting it? You're not getting it. Like you're getting ignored for a reason. So, you know, that's another thing you've got to avoid. And and that's what I I those kind of main processes, I totally you know, avoid with my clients and we emulate real life and we do it. It's never the timing. I found this. It's not the timing. It's how you're using the time in the inbox, Mm -hmm. because what that drip fed message stuff is teaching you is it's like me going in a networking event, walking up and say, hi, I'm Ty, the LinkedIn guy. Walk away, come back an hour later. And I help businesses with, you know, getting client acquisition on LinkedIn and then come back an hour later. And like, we don't, that's not how we communicate. We just don't. So, you know, one of the easiest things for me to say for clients is use this filter with what you know of the person and what your relationship is with that person. If you wouldn't say it to them in real life, don't say it in LinkedIn. That's e- that can save so much trouble of looking salesy and spammy just by applying that one filter. Yeah. If you wouldn't say it in real life, don't say it in LinkedIn.
1: Another very interesting guy who was a speaker on our LinkedIn Smart Podcast is Chris J. Mohawk Reed. He is an Englishman, but he's living in Singapore for already many years. He has 1800 LinkedIn recommendations on his profile and he has more than 100,000 followers. Uh, On his LinkedIn profile it says, world number one LinkedIn marketing firm. Very bold statement, but um, Chris has a very bored look too. And this is what Chris was saying about how to create a little bit more controversial content that will catch attention of our target audience.
4: Because it's not interesting. Uh, so I think it has to be polarizing. I've just written a column in mean, uh, in Forbes today about how you have to use controversy in your post and your personal branding and your content to get some kind of... Uh, so basically you have to be prepared that not everyone who sees your post is going to like it. So, if you're prepared for that, you get over that psychological hurdle of love. do I want to be loved by everybody? If you want to be loved by everybody, don't use any social media platform in the world because there will always be somebody going along who disagrees with you. Believe me, and it doesn't matter how good a news you have, there will always be someone going, well, What about this? So, you have to polarize because by polarizing, you get lots of advocates on this side going, Yes, I agree with you, and they'll share it. And then you've got lots of detractors on this side going, No, that's rubbish, and they'll share it as well. But the great thing is, they'll all create a debate on their followers, and other people will then chime in as well. So, getting it polarized is is, is perfect if you do something that's too safe and too generic then people will basically and they might view it they might go oh yeah and then flick onto something else and that's the trouble with the linkedin feed obviously you've got thousands of connections people are flicking through the feed they're finding something which might be interesting they're stopping for a few seconds to read it or to engage or watch a video or look at the picture and then they're moving on to something else it's not it's not shakespeare you know basically people aren't going oh wow remember that post that chris did three years ago i was like shakespeare like romeo and juliet it's not like that at all they're literally just going through it so you have to capture their attention for a few seconds and then they're moving on
1: so that's uh, that's very interesting you know where's the where are the borders you know between being polarizing and being sort of over the edge if you know what i mean I mean, I'd I'd say that LinkedIn is very good for that
4: because it's business. So basically you can be polarizing within a business context. So you'd be sensible, rational, you kind of write uh, why you believe this, um, you know, you back up what it is. You have the evidence, you have the proof. You basically say this happened and this happened and this happened. You don't just go on a rant for the sake of having a rant, which you might do on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere else, for example. So you have to be more considered because you have to filter it by saying, do I want my followers to see this, my potential clients, my clients to see this and actually, Polarizing works because I deliberately polarize against, say, multinationals. So I polarize against, you know, big corporates or, you know, marketing people who can't make a decision. That, you know, they need a basically a, you know, a committee to make a decision. They're worried about their CEO. They have to get something signed off. Whereas us entrepreneurs can go, yes, let's just go ahead. So I deliberately basically make sure I'm empathizing with my you know, my entrepreneurs, for example, and. But even then, you still want to create some kind of friction, so you create a debate. So people are thinking about you, because it's better to be thought about, and people go, oh, I read that thing by Chris Reed, I totally disagree with him, and then they're having a conversation with somebody else about how much they disagree with me, but they're talking about me. and They're talking mm-hmm. about my brand and my business, and that, that bloke with the mohawk, he does this, and you know, I get a lot of feedback by saying people, you know, why do you have a mohawk on LinkedIn? It's like, ah. But you're talking about it, aren't you? You say to your friends, I have this. I hate that bloke on LinkedIn. He's got this mohawk and he thinks it's funny. And it's about polarization. It's about some people get it. It's about personal branding. It's about your USB. And other people get well, It's nothing to do with business. Same with tattoos. I wear my tattoos because I'm quite proud to be tattoos. But I know it polarizes. I know I basically get people going, you know, I hate your tattoos. And you can't wear tattoos at my work and all the rest of it. But I'll win clients because they also have tattoos. And they'll have be the entrepreneurs. They'll be independently minded. They'll be going, "Well, I'm going to wear what I want. I'm an entrepreneur." And that's the philosophy I I want to get across because that's who I'm appealing to. That's what we're doing in personal branding. We're actually getting people to realise they are themselves to be themselves on LinkedIn and to basically have a fulfilling life from a business perspective on LinkedIn. Not be worried about what your boss says, what you can wear, what you can't wear, mm-hmm. how your hair is, how your tattoos are, what you can do with your facial hair, whatever. Which you know happens a lot in places like Dubai and Singapore. You know they tell you down to the d- degree how much you actually can do your hair or your facial, even the, even this, even the beard. You can't have a beard or you can't color your hair if you're a man, for example. It's all ridiculous. So basically, you have to, yeah, again, polarization is key to that because by polarizing, you get advocates and you're agreeing with you and you get other people going, I'm not allowed to do that, but I wish I could.
1: Well, and this is the end of our episode. It was quite a short one today, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway please go and check the profiles of our today's speakers. Uh, Belinda Aramide, Sam Rattling, Tyron Giuliani and Chris mohawk Thank you very much for listening. Please think about subscribing and helping us reach out to more audience with our LinkedIn Smart Podcast. As always, be LinkedIn smart. Thank you. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by SquareMotion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.